Vince, the communist communal, joining me for one more segment here on the Crowley Show. Rob Ross is going to join us about 20, 25 minutes here on the program. The Penguins, they're playing well. They've won 10 in the last 15. Uh, they didn't play well, obviously, on Saturday. In fact, they played abysmally after they beat their biggest rival going right now, the Washington Capitals. Uh, they're still not a perfect lineup. Obviously, losing Connor Sherry and Patrick Hornquist weakens their lineup. Um, what are your thoughts on the possibility of a guy like Matt Cullen returning? Well, he has been a healthy scratch a couple times for Minnesota. Um, obviously, he did very well here on the fourth line. I don't think you'd have to give up much to get him. I mean, literally like a fifth, sixth round draft pick. I, I don't think you would have to get much to get him back here. Minnesota is still on the bubble of a playoff team. I think they're either eighth or ninth in the, in the Every West. Every time I look up, Vince, they're either getting their ass kicked or they're kicking somebody else's ass. Yeah, they're a very strange team. They, they're one extreme or the other. But they're, they're right on the cusp of being a playoff team, so I don't know. They obviously don't feel that he's that important if they've healthy scratched him a couple of times now. So it's, it's kind of a shame for him to go out that way. But um, I don't think you'd have to give up much to get him. I've heard the name Mark Letestu, the uh, center from the uh, Oilers, possibly a uh, uh, former Penguin. Uh, he wouldn't be a bad pickup. You'd probably have to give up a little bit more to get him, maybe like a second or third round pick. Uh, I, he he's very good at faceoffs. Obviously, he is. He's actually a uh, a power play specialist, believe it or not. Uh, even though you normally plays on a fourth line, uh, I've heard that name thrown around. I've heard names uh, like Broussard and you know guys that you would. Well, have to, okay, so let's let's separate the two packs here, then, yeah. because Latestu to me, eh, like you said, he's a power play specialist. Even though he's a fourth line player. They don't need help on the power play. Even the second unit, I, I think they're they're fine there. Um, I'm not enthralled about him. I wouldn't be all that enthralled about Matt Cullen. That might not be popular. I don't know if Matt Cullen's got it. I'm sure coming back here would reinvigorate him perhaps a little bit. But I don't think the Penguins need a fourth-line center. I do like Riley Sheehan. But if you're trying to win the Stanley Cup, why not get as good as you can? I realize you're going to have to give up more, but, yeah, okay, I realize this. So, for me, get a J.G. Paggio, get a Broussard, maybe a Galchenyuk. Get one of those guys who you know can come in, be a bona fide third-line center, can help Phil Kessel on that line. So you've got the three great lines down the middle mm -hmm. and overall, and then you push Riley Shane to the fourth line, and if Riley Shane's on the fourth line, with a guy like Brian Rust and Tom Kuhnhockel, the Penguins all of a sudden go one through four, and their fourth line is a threat to score when they go out there on the ice. I want that guy playing fourth line, not because I don't think he can do the yeah. third line, but because you make that fourth line better. And we've seen that model work uh, three times in the past yep. uh, how many if it ain't years. Broke. You know? <laughs> that that, uh, that strong center on the top three lines, and like you said, if you have Riley Shahan playing on your fourth line, that, that's a pretty good team. I mean, he, he's played, you know, probably even above my expectations. He's a good player. I, I think that he's done very well, and obviously he's a great face-off guy. Um, yeah, I mean, there is that school of thought that, you know, when are you ever going to have a chance to three-peat a Stanley Cup champions Go again? Go get it, baby. Just go out and do it. And, you know, the Penguins do have a, this core that's going to be together for at least the next three or four years. So why not go out and try and do it? And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Hey, you've already won the last two Cups. Um I think Ottawa's going to have a fire sale 
I think the Rangers are going to have a fire sale. So you might be able to get those guys a little bit cheaper than you normally would because those teams are looking to rebuild, I think. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the Penguins have shown in the past that they're not afraid to go out and, and get the best available guy that's out there. You know, draft picks and uh, prospects be damned. And, you know, look at some of the prospects they've traded away over the years. What have they ever done in the league? Casperi uh, Kapanen, Angelo Esposito, um, you know, Oscar Sundquist. What's he really doing this year? I mean, if the Pirates took the same approach as the Penguins, hey, there's a novel thought. Maybe maybe they'd have some uh, decent maybe players Maybe they'd have won something, right. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing. Go for it now. I don't need prospects, draft picks, whatever. And I know that Ray Shiro fell into that trap. But was it really a trap? You know, that team in 2013 that played Boston, they, they were really good. They were, I mean, they were really, really good. Uh, it didn't work out. And maybe they tinkered too much. But I don't mind mortgaging the future a little bit, especially when you consider what the Penguins do have here in Pittsburgh. I mean, they have Brian Russ. They have Connor Sherry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got young players, Zach Aston Reese. Sprong. Sprong. And, yeah, maybe you're talking about trading one or two of those guys. But they have a young core here in Pittsburgh. They're going to be good even if they give up a few draft picks. And if you give up those picks now, you have the opportunity to do something that you don't see very often in professional sports in the salary cap era. Yeah, it's like I just said, the, the there's never going to be an opportunity to win a third straight Stanley Cup. So why not go out and do it? And I'm not I'm not saying trade Daniel Sprong. I'm not saying to trade Zach Aston Reese. But, you know, if you could get the best third-line center that's available out there, trade a second-round pick. Right. Tra- it, trade maybe even a Connor Sherry. I mean, they do have a logjam of wingers. You know, Sherry, don't get me wrong, Sherry's played pretty well this year, but at the same time he's been hurt a lot. And other teams probably value him and the penguins have a log jam of wingers right now so you know for the right guy if for the right guy maybe maybe that's who somebody you consider trading as well or even one of the young goaltenders uh the smith or jari i probably wouldn't trade jari but maybe the smith yeah i mean i definitely move one of those guys if if someone came calling i mean huh, i like the idea of brassard for so many reasons um number one because he wouldn't be scoring against the penguins because that guy is a freaking penguins killer uh, J.G. Pajos, a delightful player, too, and an offensive threat. And Galchenyuk's a guy who, they, that's a team that needs to sell, too. I mean, yikes, have they been awful. And, and, you know, another thing to consider, if you don't go out and get that guy, Tampa Bay might go out and get that guy. The Capitals might go out and get that guy. So, you know, that's all something to consider as well. Yeah, you make it a lot harder on yourself if you don't go out there and get it. I've heard this theory that teams don't want to see the Penguins win the Stanley Cup again, and yeah, I get that. But if you're general, if you're running a team, if you're be, if you are a general manager, and that is how you're going to decide what where to trade a guy, mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm firing yeah. you on the spot. And I could see that being the case, maybe for teams in the East. But do you really think the GM of the Vancouver Canucks cares about? He shouldn't. You know who wins the Stanley Cup this year? They're not making the playoffs, or the Edmonton Oilers, or. You know the Arizona Coyotes. They don't. They don't care. They're looking for the best deal for the players that they have. And like I said, I could see the Capitals or the Tampa Bay. You're not going to see the Penguins trading with Tampa Bay or Washington anyway, because they're so close in the race. But I, I don't think the majority of the GMs that are out of the race are going to really care whether or not they help the Penguins. No, I, I don't think so either. So I think that that's been somewhat overblown. Yeah. Uh, maybe a lot of it overblown. Uh, I think more 
likely the story is there are a lot of teams that think that they're in this thing right now, and they think if you make it, then you've got a legitimate shot, and, you know, I'd argue that you do. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at some of the teams that are on the bubble. They're good teams. I mean, Carolina, they've given Penguins, the Penguins trouble this year. Um, Philly, they, they find a way to blow it in the end usually, but uh, they do have a, a very talented roster with, uh, you know, Drew and Jacob Borachek and Gossespierre on D. Uh, Connected is having a great season. Yeah, right he's now. a good player. Um, you know, th- that's the problem. There's with the, with the three point games. So many teams feel like they're still in it when you know the, there's literally three points available in every game. So it, it's hard to make those deals further away from the trade deadline. It, it seems like more and more of those deals are made at the deadline. And I know Rutherford doesn't like that he likes to make the deals when he can if you look over the history control the market then at that point exactly if you look at the history of the deals that rutherford has made the majority of them have actually been in december not at the trade deadline that's why i was waiting for him to get something done here in the last couple of months and i'm I'm still every every day i'm refreshing twitter just waiting for that jim rutherford (laughs) trade to come through he's been kind of playing in the media i think lately saying yeah maybe riley shane's the guy I don't buy that. Uh, not that they wouldn't. Uh, I, I think the backup plan is Riley Shan is your third-line center and Matt Cullen's your fourth-line center. Yeah, I think. And I think he's going to do everything in his power to bring in one of those three guys or, or, or some facsimile of that we've been discussing. Yeah, I think I think so. And I, I don't know. I think that, he, he, like you said, he's playing, playing the media a little bit. And I think that the backup plan will be Matt Cullen. But... It, it's interesting to to see the rumors and everything on Twitter. I, I just uh, I just don't know. I, I think that the the asking price, if if you're bidding against the Capitals and the Lightning, I think the bidding price is going to get driven up, unfortunately. But at the same time, like like we talked about, when are you going to have another chance to win a third Stanley Cup, consecutive Stanley Cup, right? I should say. And let's face it. Crosby and Malkin, they're not getting younger. Right. Um, at some point, I expect their play to drop off, and it might happen not precipitously. I mean, it might happen right right then. Um, you just don't know. Uh, I'm waiting for Tom Brady's arm to fall off. Maybe that'll <laughs> never happen, but at some point, you would think that yeah. it would. So, but Can we agree that the Penguins should not trade Ian Cole? I, I just think that he, like, like we were talking about with Hornquist, he has a unique skill set as far as defensemen go, that nobody else on the team has. It's a good take, yeah. And he has really paired up well with Alexiak. I think those two as a bottom six. See, I was just going to say I like seeing him better with Schultz. Oh, really? See, I, I, I like him with Alexiak. But I, I really like Alexiak. Yeah. Oh, my God. What, what was this guy doing before <laughs> that they didn't want to hold on to him? I don't know. I mean, I've watched him lead the rush up the ice four times. A guy the, his the size, last home size game. shouldn't be doing that. In I mean, and he's responsible enough to get back into the zone. I mean, he, on two separate occasions, he drove hard to the net, created space, and created fantastic scoring opportunities. And, and man, can he skate for a big guy? He really can. I mean, he, he's not uh, Shell Samuelson. He, he can skate. Oh, he can move. You know what's funny? I mean, Orpik wasn't really that size uh, at all. But Orpik back in the day, he was known for his hitting. He was known for his defensive play. That guy could skate. Yes. And... Alexiak, I mean, even more so almost. Uh, this guy, he's leading the rush, as you mentioned. Uh, he's got that great reach on the defensive side. Uh, I mean, I don't hate 
the pairing. Um, I just loved Schultz with Cole. But you know, the Penguins' defense right now, mm-hmm. way better than the defense they won the Stanley Cup with. Oh, I, I would agree with that. And I think we'll see when Matt Hunwick gets healthy, but I think Ian Cole has to stay in the lineup. And, yeah, that's... And, you know, I'm sorry, but... Uh, that was a swing and a miss with Hunwick, I think. I, I just... Yeah. I mean, he could, if he's your seventh defenseman, then you're doing okay. But I think Ian Cole has outplayed him and deserves to be in the lineup over him. There is not a lot of room for criticism. No. Uh, for, to criticize the coach or the general manager. But the general manager, to me, didn't have a great off season. The Ryan Reeves thing, not for me. You know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hunwick, same thing. Yeah. Just bleh. And as far as Ian Cole, I mean, is that almost Mike Sullivan trying to justify the signing of a guy like Matt Hunwick? I think for whatever reason, the uh, Ian Cole and Coach Sullivan don't see eye to eye. I, you know, maybe it's because he's very outspoken in the locker room and out, outspoken in interviews after the game. You know, he's not afraid to say, "Hey, we suck tonight." And maybe that rubs Solomon the wrong way. I don't know. I, I mean, I've tried to come up with reasons why he was benched all those games. And it's like it's like I, I can't figure it out. Honestly, it's it reminds me of what Bill Belichick just did in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it's not on as large of a stage. Uh, the Penguins aren't in the Cup final, but it just kind of seems petty from Mike Sullivan's standpoint. I mean, did he bang his mom? Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what beyond that would make him sit that guy he's been such an integral part of the last two stanley cup championships it's not like he was just along for the ride i mean he was a big part of those championships if they were going to trade him fine um i said back in the in the day whenever when this started to come out for the first time if you're going to trade in cole fine I think the defense will be fine, and you, they just showed last year you didn't need to win it with that guy. With, with pardon me, not that guy, but with a great defense core. Um, but if they're not going to move him, then he needs right. to be in the lineup. And, hell, even if they are, keep him in the lineup until you do because he's better and you're trying to get as many points as you can get. Well, yeah, that was the other thing I didn't understand. If you are trying to trade a guy, benching him every night's not really driving up his no. value either. So, I mean – I, I just think that he's a very important part of this team, a guy with a unique skill set, and he needs to be in there because there isn't anybody else on this team that does what he does. Give me a prediction for tonight. Um, I, I, I really do think it's going to be a 2-1 type of game. Uh, maybe not overtime, but I, I, I do think it's going to be 2-1, and I'm not really sure which team's going to come out on top, but I think that you're going to see uh, a uh, kind of a goaltending clinic tonight. Coming up next, Rob Rossi. Joining me here on the Crowley Show. Vince, really appreciate the time, buddy. Yeah, anytime. It's Rossi getting deep talking about Mark andre Fleury. It's the Crowley Show. Watching Terrace on fifth before what will be a wild atmosphere at PPG Paints Arena, one that I don't know if I've ever experienced before. When Yager came back, there was always a lot of booze, especially in the early going, and then it became some booze, some cheers. But that's kind of what you expect when a player leaves and then comes back. With Marc-Andre Fleury, it's going to be all cheers all night long, and I'd imagine more than we've ever seen for a player return 
to Pittsburgh. Joining me now to discuss from Trib Live, he is Rob Rossi. Rob had a chance to catch up with Mark Andre Fleury on Friday. Rob, first off, what are you expecting from this atmosphere tonight? I think it's going to be fascinating. I do too. Um, it's not. It's not something I'm looking forward to, but I know a lot of people are. Practically everybody I've talked to is. Um, I think it's going to be very unique. I think it's going to be unforgettable. I'm not entirely sure that it's not going to be one of those things where the crowd punches itself out early. Um, by that I mean I anticipate from the pregame warm-up to when they announce the starting lineup for the other team to the you know the video tribute to his first save there are going to be several standing ovations several flurry flurry chants and then i think it's going to get very much like a playoff game if you have a you know a team that gets off to a really hot start but then it doesn't carry over at them i, I think it's gonna i think the crowd might deaden a little bit and at some point, it's going to become a hockey game tonight, and that's when it's going to be interesting. Um, and I, I'm curious more about the, you know, the second period on, because I think the first period is going to be sort of a love fest, but I also think it's going to be very much a, an aberration compared to what the rest of the game will take shape. You mentioned, Rob, that you're not looking forward to it. Why? Well, look, I mean, I've known Mark since he was 16, and or 18, excuse me. Um, I, I have a much different relationship th- with him than I do almost anybody I've ever covered. Um, you know, we, we, we speak fairly frequently throughout the year and, and have for a long time. And I, I'm trying to think of how to say this without sounding too condescending. What I have with him is different in terms of the professional relationship. And so this type of... Uh, atmosphere where it's very much a love fest. Um, that's that's a that's uncomfortable for me as a. Is it insincere, uh, journalist? Uh, no, 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 no. I think people okay. are very sincere, but uh, you know, I, Adam, I don't have a relation. The, 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 luck, the athletes I'm lucky enough to have a little bit deeper of a relationship with than you know the, the regular athletes we all cover. It's I don't think of it like fans do. So I know that a lot of this is hard on Mark. I know how hard this has been on Mark, and um, I know that as great as tonight's going to be, there's still a big part of Mark that wants to be the starting goalie for the Penguins. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I'm not looking forward to this because I, I disconnect this from reality. The reality is Mark's in Las Vegas now. The reality is, is that Mark's not a Penguin anymore. And this is great, and I think it's wonderful that Penguin fans are going to, you know, honor him. And I think it's great what the Penguins have done. But at the end of today, the disconnect, this is fake in that regard. That makes sense. The emotions aren't fake, but he's not a Penguin anymore. He's a huge part of the Penguins' past. He's a huge reason for their success. Um, and the greatest era of Penguin hockey. But even though Mark told me, you know, it, it worked out about as well as it could, it didn't because Mark's not in Pittsburgh. And for Mark, that's what he wanted. And that's not to knock the Penguins for making the decision because they had an all-world goalie and Matt Murray. Uh, but it, 
that's why I'm not looking forward to this, if that makes sense. I'm not even sure I can really explain it beyond that, because it doesn't make sense to me why I'm not looking forward to this, but that's sort of where I'm at. Did you watch the video of Marc-Andre Fleury getting the Stanley Cup ring from Mario Lemieux and some other people? I did. Did you find it to be as awkward as I did? Yeah. Was yeah. it? Is it because is there any ill will there for Mark Andre Fleury? No, no, there's okay. no ill will. I, it's just it's awkward. I mean, it's you know I think if Vegas had not been off to the start that it's on and not and not had the the tragedy that sort of bounded these teams, bonded these guys together, binded these guys together. This might be a little different. If Vegas was coming in here like a normal expansion team and their season was lousy, but they're playing for something, right? The Golden Knights are, you know, I mean, they, you know, I talked to Mark and, you know, I think that people don't realize the pressure on Mark right now because there aren't a lot of guys on that Vegas team that have playoff experience. And they've gone from being a nice story to now. You know, they have a chance to win the Western Conference and get to the Stanley Cup final. Like, they're playing for a number one seed. And so, and, and who are they going to look to? I mean, let's face it, in the first round of the playoffs, even if Vegas is the number one seed, Vegas is going to, people are going to say, well, there's not a lot of playoff experience. There's got a lot of guys that haven't done it before. But they have that goalie. You know, right. they have that goalie. And, you know, I know Mark knows that. I know Mark is thinking ahead to, you know, he's going to have to, in his own way, prepare a team to go through a playoff run for the first time. Prepare not only a team, Adam, but he has to prepare a franchise. He has to prepare a community. I mean, he is the star of that franchise. And though he's eminently qualified to handle that role, there are stakes now beyond just honoring our past, beyond just the nostalgia part of this. And I... I feel that's changed this dynamic a lot. It's one of the reasons when I talked to Mark, I mean, he, look, he said a lot of things to me that he said to other people, but I really did dig into that Vegas angle because, to me, that's the here, now, and the present. And that's where the disconnect is, I think, for some of us who have maybe known Mark a little better and, and maybe Mark himself. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, and Rob talked to Marc-Andre Fleury on Friday. You can find it at TribLive.com. It didn't sound like he was going over the top in praising the club as it relates to being a Stanley Cup contender. I think he's trying to keep them very grounded and in the moment, Adam. I think he's trying to keep them, you know, and that's what I mean. He's trying to prepare this team. Don't believe your own hype, right? You know, he's trying to say, let's remember what makes us a, a, a team that's winning a lot of games. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. This isn't going to be like a superstar-level team. I looked at that as the maturation of Marc-Andre Fleury, understanding he has to set a public message, right? He has to set the public discourse. He's coming back to Pittsburgh. Everybody's going to be looking at every word he says, and he has a guy that he's doing for a long time asking him about Vegas and can they win, and it's a very comfortable situation. And what does Mark do? Mark uses that as the first real opportunity, as Evgeny Malkin has in the past with me to say what he thinks needs said. Maybe not the politically correct thing, right? Because it would be a very politically correct answer. Yeah, we're playing great. We're a cup contender now. Mark's trying to keep them in a moment. He's trying to keep their attention. I found that fascinating, Adam. Yeah, so did I. Rob Rossi joining me from Chip Live on the Crowley Show. Rob, was Mark treated well here in Pittsburgh by the fans? Because I would imagine that 
he doesn't only think of Pittsburgh <laughs> glowingly. Yes? Um, there are ups and downs, as he's mentioned. Uh, you know, it's funny, when I talked to him, when I asked him about the media, and he said, uh, I, you know, I jokingly asked him if I said, is there, how's the media out there in Vegas? Is it better than Pittsburgh? And he goes, are we on the record? Um, which I, <laughs> you know, I kind of laughed at. Um, you know, I think the fans, for the most part, treated Mark very well. I think there's a small contingent of people on Twitter or, you know, the scum of the earth. Uh, and I don't mean that everybody's on Twitter that's scum of the earth, but there's this scum of the earth element on Twitter, right? And it's for anything, right? It's for any, you know, engagement we have. They wanted to blame the goalie. And by the way, they'll do that for Matt Murray now. You know, and there's an element of Penguin fans that they always want one guy to pick on, right? And a lot of times that was Mark. Um, I think that the Penguins under Ray Shiro put a lot of their playoff failures at the feet of Marc-Andre Fleury when there were a lot of guys on that team underperforming in the, in the final years of the, of the Shiro-Bausma era. Um, a lot of times those teams didn't play great defense and Mark had to bail them out. And I don't necessarily think all of Pittsburgh backed Flurry the way they needed to in the Flyers debacle. Because See, that, that, that to me is the big – that that to me, Rob, is the one that stands out above all the else, yeah. all the other ones. Because he was bad, sure, but everyone else was – Unbelievably terrible in that series. Well, right. And let's face it, they won the games that they won in that series, partly because Mark was great in those games. Yes, in game game I mean, five, Marc-Andre Flooring was outstanding. Yeah. And I will say this. Let me say this about Penguin fans, too. I, you know, like I said, I think the, the strong majority did treat Marc-Andre Flooring well. And I've never known an athlete, and I mean this, not Crosby, not Malkin, not Lemieux. I've never known an athlete that when he was facing adversity – the people in the building rallied around him. The fans in the building, whether it was the Civic Arena or the PPG Paints Arena, Adam, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times I covered a game when it was like looking grim, and you would, they would, the game would begin with chants of flurry, flurry. So, you know, it's tough to forget those moments too. Um, was he treated well? Yes. Are we having a little bit of revisionist history? Yes. Mark didn't always have it easy here. Um, you know, I think the media and the fans made him a scapegoat too often. I know I was criticized for being, you know, a guy that carried his water too much. But I saw some of the bad defense that was played, and I saw how hard he had to work to keep this team in games at times when they got a little fat and happy and, and started, you know, playing the wrong type of hockey. To that point, it has to be really difficult to be the goaltender of the Pittsburgh Penguins for a lot of reasons, but maybe more than any because of the style of play. The Penguins are trying to score goals. That's their identity. That's been their identity since Mario came into the league. That's who they want to be, and, yeah, that's going to leave you exposed, your goaltender exposed from time to time. Well, which is why it's been the question of did they keep the right guy, right? Because Mark's used to playing that, and Matt hasn't. I mean, look, I think Matt Murray is a – when Matt Murray's on his game, he's a top-five goalie in this league. Um, and I think he tracks the puck and does things in terms of technical goaltending as good as any goalie I've covered. I mean, he's a savant in that regard. And he's, a, he's 
one of the biggest reasons they've won the last two Stanley Cup titles. But you saw earlier this year what it was like when the Penguins weren't keeping the puck a lot, weren't aggressive with that forecheck, weren't totally committed to playing the way by Sullivan wants them to, and how hard it was for Matt Murray. You know, people were saying, oh, you know, he's not, he's not, he's just been okay this year. Well, they used to say that about Mark Andre Fleury, and it's really hard when you're playing any two game season and you're going to play 50 to 60 games and the, the Penguins are going to take 25 of them off. <laughs> and they're going to at times because yes. you can't keep that level. Um, I think it was hard to be Tom Barrasso. I think it was hard to be Mark Andre Fleury. I think it's going to be hard to be Matt Murray. Um, that said, I think they were in a really fortunate place last year. You know, Adam, we always talk about the Penguins having the two best centers of the world. They also had two of the top ten goalies in the world last year, and that almost never happened. Rob Rossi from TribLive.com joining me on the Crowley Show. Speaking of those two all-world centers, what's the relationship like between Mark Andre Fleury and those two guys, and what was it before he left? What's it like now? Uh, I know that. Well, I mean, I don't want to speak for Sidney Crosby. I know that when I have spoken to Sidney and Mark, they've referred to each other as best friends. Um, now, whether that's best friends within the construct of a team, you've got to remember they grew up in this thing together. You know, right. so I like to say before Crosby was the one to save the Penguins, they tried to do it with Mark Andre Fleury, and gave him no support. Um, they're extraordinarily close. I will speak for Evgeny Malkin. He thinks the world of Mark Andre Fleury, and I know speaking with Mark, he thinks the world of Gino too. I mean, they became very close. I mean, I, I think one thing you saw—it was a tough thing for Crosby, Malkin, Latang last year, right? I mean, the last couple of years, their their friend, the guy they've been in battles with, the guys they've won championships with you know, chase championships with and won a championship with, you know, they got him and then they got this other guy who they also know is good and is a teammate and you're supposed to be leaders of this team. It's, it's a really hard thing. I mean, we talk about how hard it was for Mark and Matt, but I think it was probably harder for that group, the Crosby, Malkin, Latangs of the world. And I think in a lot of ways they wore their hearts on their sleeves. It was not an easy situation. Um, you know, I can just tell you, I know they were thrilled to see him in Vegas and they're thrilled to see him now and, that doesn't say that they don't have great relationships with Matt Murray. They do. Um, you can't work with somebody that closely for that long and not have it transcend the moment a little bit. Tonight's going to be weird, Rob. <laughs> it's just going to be weird. The more we talk about it, the more I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. I'm not sure I'm going. I mean, I haven't decided yet. Um, I mean, it, that's how weird it is going to be for me. Like, I'm not sure I want to share this moment with everybody. And that's and I really don't. And, and for Sidney Crosby and for Genny Malkin, uh, I mean, and to a lesser extent, uh, some of the other Penguins, but for those guys for sure, I mean, it's just got to be weird throwing pucks at the net in a meaningful game against this guy here in the building where they've had so much success. Well, and think about Matt Murray tonight. Like, how weird is this going to be for him? Well, he's, the for, he's almost the forgotten guy in all this. I mean, Well, it, and he's the other guy. I mean, how weird will it be? to hear Flurry chanted <laughs> if you're Matt Murray. I mean, you've just lost your father. You're trying to recalibrate your season. You've delivered this city, the Stanley Cup, the last two years. You know, I mean, uh, you know, forget all the other stuff. Just think about how weird this will be tonight. I mean, are we going to see a situation? I mean, 
here's what would be the ideal situation, right? It goes to a shootout, and both of them force it to go 10 rounds, and you just hear dueling chants, right? And, like, you know, like Derek Englund wins it or something because you, the guy you don't expect to shoot it, right, or whoever, you know. Uh, Ryan uh, Reeves. You know, Ole Mata, you know, Ryan Reeves, right? Like, but the reality is at some point tonight, the guy that is responsible for those last two banners in net, you know, the Penguins have three two-time winning Stanley Cup goalies, or three multiple-time winning Stanley Cup goalies, and they're facing each other tonight, and one of them is being treated like a returning icon, and the other one is the goalie for the Penguins. <laughs> Rob, like, this is not normal, Adam. Not at all, man. And uh, let me know where you're watching the game. Uh, I'm interested to hear will you're, where you will be. Uh, Rob, really great insight, man. Great interview with Mark before, and we really appreciate you coming on to share it. I, have, I did mean to tell you he does think you're nuts to have your belly button pierced, but we can discuss that later. We shall discuss. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> See you. That's Rob Rossi, Trib Live. Coming up next, the hottest take of the day, other crap, and, well, we got a big game tonight. Is Tom making a prediction? I'm going to make him. It's a Crowley show. Wrapping things up here at the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from the hottest ticket in town, PPG Paints Arena, Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights against the Pittsburgh Penguins. According to reports, Marc-Andre Fleury, James Neal, David Perron are the last three Golden Knights to leave the ice, and it's arousing ovation. That's the only way that James Neal and David Perron are going to get an ovation is by being with Marc-Andre Fleury out there on the ice. Because as far as I'm concerned, James Neal and David Perron are nothing but losers. Those guys didn't come here and win. They didn't. Matt Niskanen, same kind of thing. Really good talker, always has the answers. Why aren't you guys playing well? Well, here's the thing. He'll go on waxing poetic for 15 minutes. Well, if he knew so much, he'd win. He hadn't won in Washington, didn't win here. James Neal was a D-bag. Not a great guy. And you know what? He's a loser. Just like David Perron. That was not the hottest take of the day. This is. Ready, Joe? <laughs> it's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> day, day, day. Just because the Patriots and the Eagles and Minnesota and Jacksonville didn't have high-priced running backs doesn't mean that you can't win with a high-priced running back in this league. I'm going to get into this in great detail tomorrow, but I wanted to tack it on to the end of the show today. People are acting as if the Steelers would be stupid to sign Le'Veon Bell, and that's not the case. I have a philosophy. I think it could be a popular one. You win championships with good players. You don't let good players walk away. A lot of people are suggesting that the Steelers let one of the best players in the National Football League walk out for nothing so that they can spend that money on defensive players or other players who can help the Steelers become more whole. I think that's ludicrous. I think that's an absurd notion. You keep the best player. You allow him to play football at his highest level. You give Ben Roethlisberger all the help that he needs and you win the championship that way. That was the hottest take of it. I got it. Boo, 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 boo
that was the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. It is now time for other crap. Woo! Other crap. Gronk's house was broken into during the Super Bowl. So someone was smart enough to realize that Rob Gronkowski is not going to be home that night. I bet you the passcode to get into his house was 6969. What do you think people took? A couple of Hustler Good. magazines? Probably got an STD just walking into that place. What a freak. I do feel bad for Gronk, though, because by all accounts, he's actually a lot smarter than we all think. Apparently, he hasn't spent any of his football money. He's spent endorsement money. So anything he earned from the Patriots and from the National Football League, he saved. And all the endorsement money, that's the money that he's spent on going on cruises like the U.S. STD. More other What? Trey Young is a punk. And ESPN's making it worse. The entire game, last night, my Mountaineers won, of course. Trey Young was shooting air balls. And ESPN was explaining him away. Was playing poor defense, and ESPN was explaining it away. Wasn't handling the ball well enough, and ESPN was explaining it away. Oh, yeah, all the while, above the score bug, they had a stat line for Trey Young the entire time. Trey Young's a really good player. He needs to iron some things out, but he's a really stinking good player. But ESPN's going to make us hate him. And, in fact, last night, they pushed me into that camp. Enough about Trey Young. He's 0-2 against Dub V. Mike Tice, remember him? Former coach of the Minnesota Vikings, the bald guy, the old school coach. He says, quote, I'm retiring because the players don't want to be coached anymore, end quote. Hey, Mike Tice, here's the thing, pal. They don't want to be coached by you because you suck. You're a terrible coach. That's what it boils down to because all the good coaches, the ones that are winning, they don't seem to have a problem with getting the players to play. One more other crap. The Giants are going to retire Barry Bonds' number on August 11th prior to a game against the Pirates while Andrew McCutcheon is starting in the outfield. What? That, my friends, sucks. That is just dumping salt in the wound. The greatest outfielder to play for the Pirates since Barry Bonds will be playing for the Giants when the Giants retire the jersey of the greatest baseball player of all time and the greatest to ever wear a Pirates uniform. I can't sleep on that. That's not going to hurt. That's not going to suck. That's not going to pour any salt in the wound. There's nothing I can even say that's going to make Steelers fans, Pirates fans, Penguins fans feel better. You're all the same. I misspoke there. I tried to save it. Didn't do a good enough job there. That's going to blow. And McCutcheon's probably going to hit three balls into McCovey Cove. Yeah, I know. Opposite way. Going to do it, though. It is time for Tom's degenerate gambling pick of the day. The Penguins favored at home tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. Tom, what happens out there? Yeah, I don't think Fleury's getting out of the first period, to be honest with you. Chasing his ass. Chasing his ass. Chasing right his out ass right out of the bar. Look, we all know Marc-Andre Fleury what very idiot. well in this city. He's a mental midget. Whoa! He can't do it on the big stage. Whoa. He's going to come back here, and he's going to choke. Was that the hottest take of the day? I think it was. Not a hot take. He helped lead the Penguins to the last two Stanley Cups. You tell me the guy's a mental midget? Mental midget, man. Can you even say midget? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. I didn't say it. No. no. You said it. I don't think so. 
somebody said it. It was Brian. Yeah. Brian said it. Let's blame him. I got the Penguins winning tonight. I'm not about prediction radio, but I think that the Penguins have proven that they can rise to the occasion. And while Marc-Andre Fleury has proved that he can rise to the occasion, the rest of his mates have to play well in order for him to do it. What's up, Tom? You I was going to say, say uh, you've been eating a lot of chili lately. You think we get to the chili goal tonight? With Marc-Andre Fleury in the net? Well, he's not going to get out of the first period, so. Well, if he doesn't get out of the first period, that means he's been chased, which means they've scored a lot of goals, at which point I would say, yeah, fine, So we chili. eat chili tonight? No. I got the Penguins winning in a 15-round shootout. Ryan Reeves burying one through the five-hole of Marc-Andre Fleury. one nothing Pens. That's how it goes down. Marc-Andre records the shutout and gets the loss, like Josh Fogg back in the day. Tomorrow on the show... Talking about Le'Veon Bell. Of course, we're going to break down this game with nauseating detail. Talk to you then. Crowley Show. What a freak. <laughs>